When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My number one album, big shocker to me, also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swifty. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Folklore just is that like it's a perfect album hello and welcome to the spark parade where i geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural inspirations i'm adam ons at spark parade on all social media Thank you very, very much for joining me uh, on today's show. You'll hear my chat with musician and filmmaker Amateur about his spark of inspiration, Stom Sogo's Guided by Voices, uh, which is an experimental short film with a techno score. Super exciting stuff. A wonderful, wonderful conversation. This is one of the first times when uh, the spark of inspiration has been such a defining moment. He can really pinpoint the exact second when this piece of work changed his life. So that's pretty cool. You are going to love this. So let's just jump in, shall we? We are busy people with busy lives, and I think we can agree that cutting to the chase is the way to go. So let's do it. Quick amateur facts. Amateur is New York-based musician and filmmaker Jack Whitescarver. Having grown up in the American South, his story begins in the heavy, humid air of Virginia and finds itself now in the vaporized bodily ether. This perspective is conveyed in his music with a certain darkness, narrative patience, and indeterminacy. Images of love, loss, and desire puncture the danceable rhythms and lend an emotional consistency that carries the listener throughout his debut record, The Beach, which was just released on March 19th. Quick Guided by Voices facts. Guided by Voices is a 12-minute experimental film by Stom Sogo featuring strobing images and, in the version under discussion, an intense techno soundtrack. It's a lyrically intense stroboscopic shock to the system and is quite possibly the artist's masterwork. Featured in the 2002 Whitney Biennial, Sogo re-edited this piece a number of times before his untimely death at the age of 37 at his apartment in Kyoto. And there you have it. Now that you are full of facts and knowledge, let's get this show on the road. Here comes my chat with Amateur about Guided by Voices. Uh, Guided by Voices... Yes. Do you remember discovering this for the first time, being turned on to it for the first time? Yeah, I remember um, I so I first saw this piece when I was like 18 years old and mm. I was a freshman in college. And I I was in a really weird place where I had gone to college wanting to be like an actor. Mm -hmm. And it was like very foundational to my identity at the time that I was like going to this place and I was going to like really just cultivate an actor's life and career. And um, like as soon as I got to school, that just deteriorated almost instantly. And I became like very aware of everything else outside of acting. So I was in this place where I was like knew that 
I was interested in a lot of things I had never experienced before, but didn't really know what it was. And then there was one day where I was in this class, which was like an introduction to video art. And my professor in the middle of the class, I think he was like kind of frustrated with our conversation. He like immediately, I think, cut someone off from speaking and was like, okay, hold on, I'm going to show you this thing. And it was like this very weird, emotional, impulsive moment on his part, but he just put it on. And I remember just feeling like very aware that this was changing a lot for me and that I was suddenly almost to a cliched extent thrust into the world of experimental film and video in a way that I didn't know I could even be. Hmm. Um, so it was definitely like an access point to a lot of other stuff and it hit my fresh, young, very eager mind, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Context questions alert. Sure. Uh, what, where did you go to school? I went to Bard college, which Mm. is like a little school in upstate New York. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also forgive me if you said this, but what, what class was this? Like what were you? This was, this was a, um, This was an amazing class at Bard called, I think it was called Intro to Electronic Arts and Media, but it was basically just an intro to video art. So like very basic, truly like the basics of video art starting from like the 60s really up to now and taught by this guy named Ed Halter who runs this really cool space in New York City called Light Industry that Mm -hmm. screens a lot of it's like it's historically important work, but also stuff people are making now that's like, you know, there aren't a lot of venues to screen video work that's short experimental stuff that like would probably just live on Vimeo or YouTube otherwise. Right. Yeah. I can imagine, you know, 18 year old baby brain just starting to be kind of the way that anyone is at 18, figuring stuff out with your life and what you want to do and who you are seeing something like that. Yeah. That is, it's like, it's an assault. It's like, it's, it's a full, it's this kind of, uh, sensory overload. Um, just really, yeah, it really is like being thrown at you. So that must've been quite intense. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was amazing because like, I don't know if I'll ever get an opportunity for experience this again but we watched it on like a movie like a conventionally large movie theater screen so like this was huge and really really loud so it really was like suddenly you were thrust into like an extremely immersive world and it happened instantly Hmm. and yeah I mean it was really I I can't emphasize enough how like I saw this once and like I immediately like everything changed for me. And um, I started like really starting to make things after this. And um, I had always been making music very casually, but this was like the first time I saw how music could fit into like more interesting contexts than just like in your bedroom or like on your iPod or even just at a show, which are all still very interesting to me, but like this really pushed that because it was sound. Um, there's two versions of this piece, one with a techno soundtrack and one with like a sound piece soundtrack. And they're both really compelling in their own way. But yeah, it was definitely like, wow, I see the connections between like what I'm interested in in images and what I'm interested in in sound. And I didn't really know 
how to understand that before, like at all. Yeah. And it's like, a, um, it's, it's interesting with something that's that abstract and the way he talked about his own work was like his idea of film is that it should be kind of an assault. You should feel yeah. attacked <laughs> and you know, film at its most successful is like, you feel like something has happened to you when you leave. Right. Um, and that's definitely the feeling you get, but it's also like combining all of this imagery that's really simple, but really evocative. It's really visceral and emotional. It makes you feel things full of like layers of images of, you know, people kayaking and swans and kind of, uh, cum faces, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, he, so he's originally from Kyoto, Japan, mm -hmm. and moved to New York to go to college, and then just kind of fell into the art scene that was happening there. This was like late 90s, early 2000s, I think. And I feel like the thing that really is important to me to like consider with this work is that it is at first very intense and like maybe could be even kind of violent to experience. It's mm -hmm. very loud. There's like this con it's constant strobe, which already right there, there's like this risk that um, it poses. But um, I found and to this day find it to be like so intimate and so sensual and like sort of interested in the notion of like an internal sexuality and an internal life as opposed to like purely physical external sexual like i feel like the image the repeated image of the face mm -hmm. is definitely reads is like very 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 um intimate and like you're you're really fixed in this moment that could be like pain or it could be pleasure you're not really sure but you get so much out of just the facial expression rather than like the larger possibilities of what's actually happening mm -hmm. um and I feel like there is like a really important part of it is that restraint yeah. to not show you everything to really like bury things and let the process of this re photographing over and over and over again, which distorts the image, like almost like it, it distorts the image, but also opens it up and expands it for, for like a deeper experience. Yeah. How I feel. Yeah. And I mean, also, probably with the techno version just because of the soundtrack i'm someone who grew up in clubs and going to raves and like you know being out being around that kind of music and seeing that kind of imagery as something to yeah. be like projected for people who are partying and doing drugs <laughs> right, and yeah. going crazy and so it, it's like it is evocative to me of that kind of stuff and thinking of it as not like background but as something that's supposed to enhance this mm -hmm communal uh release and then thinking about that kind of feeling but in the context of fine art um being mm -hmm. in a gallery or something the thing that i always think is interesting about installations in particular video installations is this idea that somebody is passing through a gallery seeing something like this it's very intense and for you know a casual passerby someone who's like a fine art enthusiast who's you know <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of like uh, you know, 65 year old curator right. who wanders into the room and is like, yikes, this is a lot. Um, yeah. but being able to drift in and out. And w one thing that he said about, uh, you know, talking about like Andy, there's a, um, an interview with him where he's talking about seeing an Andy Warhol movie that, you know, Andy Warhol movies are 
six hours long and boring and just like he was saying you need to take breaks you can't just sit there and absorb this but with his stuff especially with this you know he did make longer pieces but with this it's like 10 minutes long and i think you really can engage with the whole thing it moves it has uh it, it doesn't have a narrative, but it's like uh, there is a progression. The music progresses, the images progress. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's just interesting thinking of how your personal history will affect the way that you engage with it as well. Totally. So I mean, I was watching it this morning, and I was like, wow, this really has like almost a very traditional operatic structure. Like there's there's a code. There's like a preface. There are three distinct acts or images that are really like studied and worked through. And then there's there's a coda, which takes you back to the preface. So there's like embedded, there's this very simple structure that helps you move through the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that's interesting is that I believe that when this was first made and started to be screened, it was it was screened at festivals and spaces where like it might be screened alongside like a conventional like 90 minute narrative feature or like things like that, which is pretty compelling to me because like one of the frustrations that I've always had with the world of filmmaking and like cinema is that it's pretty conventional and like sometimes conservative thing because there's so much money involved usually and there's so many people involved in making like what we see in a movie theater Mm -hmm. um that there's like just so much compromise constantly and really you're beholden to a lot of other interests that are ultimately kind of about like how do you sell this right and this to imagine this being screened alongside that and the idea that that could give a viewer the opportunity to imagine a movie theater or just a movie viewing experience that's not quite as conservative as those other experiences which are still like great like you those aren't that's not to say that like the world of filmmaking is flawed completely but um but i think it's a pretty freeing or could be like a pretty freeing experience to have that happen yeah and I, I guess with traditional filmmaking as well, that 99% of the films that you're going to watch do have a prescribed narrative. It's, you know, right. storytelling is a big part of it. And in some ways that's great. It helps you to understand what you're uh, seeing and, you know, have a clear idea of what the filmmaker wants you to see. But it also is very limiting because it doesn't, you know, the the range of interpretations are, are uh, smaller than with something like this, where it's very abstract. The intention is even if there is a specific prescribed idea that the artist has in their mind, the way that you receive it is the the experience is again so individual and it's it's left much more up to your interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's this I can't remember who said this. I think it was like Truffaut hmm. who said this, which was that British filmmaking or British painting is an oxymoron because the history of British culture is so literary. Mm. Um, And I kind of feel like that can be expanded to most filmmaking as being like embedded in a history of writing and story and like a very writing specific way of storytelling. And I remember the first time viewing this, like part of the mind blown experience was being, was realizing that, this was in fact really, really outside of that tradition Mm -hmm. and that um, you could still 
experience emotions and experience something outside of yourself without it being fixed to uh, like a literary narrative structure. And I feel like it's way more similar to like painting or mm. the, a different kind of art form. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that probably ties back to the original point of becoming disillusioned with acting that, um, yeah, exactly. I, I relate to that as well. I, like I'm an actor and, uh, that idea, as you said, of all of these other interests outside of the creation of art being involved, that's about money. It's about, uh, you know, sustaining a, a business model. And there's some of that stuff in the fine art world, of course, but it feels like, especially when people are, starting their careers as artists. It's about expressing yourself, having a, a vision and being able to execute it. And then if people are attracted to that, then you get to get rewards for it and start making money mm -hmm. from it. Whereas right. as an actor, it's like you have to kind of beg people for opportunities that you <laughs> don't really have a lot of say in the execution or even the parts that you're playing or anything. You just have to kind of take what's what's thrown at you unless you're very, very lucky. You know, the top 0.0001% of actors right. get to really choose what they want to do. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of freedom, um, and I think that, that bleeds over more into music as well than it does into film that it's like yeah. saying, you know, obviously the music industry definitely has parameters that it wants people to function within. And, uh, you're, you're definitely being dictated to as well, but being able to say, or at least strive for, uh, artistic autonomy um, in, a, in a way that I think is, is reflected in this kind of work too. Definitely. I mean, definitely in the art world, the fine art world, there like arguably is now like the apex of commercialism mm. in the world and like has really like the art world is now really a part of that too yeah. and has been for a while. But yeah, I mean this, uh, the great thing about this is that like we you were saying before really his practice and most of the stuff he made wasn't for that it was for parties or for like really his friends mm -hmm. and just like the very small community that he was living in at the time and so it was yeah i feel like that life that vitality is still it's just embedded into the work and you feel it every time you watch it and I definitely something I strive for and like yearn for always with what I do now with music and with the video work I do like at the end like ultimately I feel like a lot of the stuff I've made is sort of just to share with like my friends mm. and to like like it's sort of like I, I get a lot of inspiration from my friends and from the immediate network that I'm a part of and as opposed to like I don't know like distant works that I may have no personal relationship with. Like, I feel like that's a, an approach and a way of life that this embodies. And I like, it's definitely the best way for me and a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely feel like that, that is a, a way of creating art that's much more personal and much more honest, like the, uh, with, with, motives that are a bit purer than um say like you know that massive cause show that's on at the brooklyn museum right now where it's like intense commercialism and more about like uh, or at least 
generously equal parts about the creation of art and trying to get your vision across as it is about like selling toys. <laughs> so yeah, I think that, that uh, idea of like coming from a place of wanting to express yourself and show uh, that expression to the people you care about the most. And then if other people are into it, that's a bonus. And it definitely feels like that's the place that this is coming from. That it was like this, you know, I, I have this very romantic vision of this period of time, like late 90s, early 2000s New York, where it's like just pushing past the kind of grittiness of the 70s and 80s and coming uh, on the cusp of the hyper gentrification of the whole city. And when, you know, especially Manhattan is going to be radically changed and will turn mm -hmm. into this place that it's like very, very difficult for normal people to live there. And that was the kind of space that he was existing in when people could still be creative and make stuff, you know, exist as artists and have communities of artists where, um, you know, people were making this kind of experimental stuff and thriving. Yeah. It's a very community driven piece as much as it's like an individually driven piece. Mm. You have such intense, vivid, personal perspective, but it seems to be made possible by the care and the um, investment of like a larger community, which is a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful thing to experience, especially now when things are less easy to be community driven. Yeah. And you, you really feel that community in the, you know, uh, he was only 37 when he died. Um, yeah. and he, he, all of these written remembrances and tributes that his friends, um, produced after he died that are repeated in basically everything that you can find about him online. And all of them kind of reflecting that feeling of community and of, um, just feeling really, really connected to his work. And like, it was a part of, uh, not just his life, but of all of their lives and of the uh, sort of social scene that they were, had developed together. Yeah, there. I um, there's this. I don't know who said this, but someone said like the Velvet Underground didn't really sell any records, but they, but everyone who you liked band was started because of them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's sort of similar with Stone Sogos. No one in the world beyond like his small community really knows him that well, but like his influence is everywhere. And just like all like cutting edge artwork, I feel like his, um, the processes and the image kinds of images he pioneered are now like in a lot of different places. Like I constantly see things that I'm like, wow, that really, I feel like I see Stone Soho in that. Yeah. Yeah. It was making me think of like big stadium shows. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, seeing clips of like Kanye West and even, you know, Madonna and people like that having these video montages that are, you know, have this kind of strobe effect and um, these little interludes that have a really, you know, loud uh, pounding music playing over flashing images that are like almost too quick to really understand yeah. what you're looking at. And that I think is pretty, uh, pretty pervasive. Uh, yeah. you, you know, you can find yeah. that stuff 
everywhere and and it and more and more with i mean obviously not right now but um stadium shows huge uh you know productions with huge budgets people who uh you know can do basically anything they want that that kind of aesthetic is pretty common yeah it's almost like people want to have a visual experience that gives them the kind of feeling that like an epic sci-fi, like crazy CGI thing could give them like this just like visual enormity, but but done in this very um, simple and like localized immediate way. Like, you know, that stuff is so easy to do yourself. Like all you need is a monitor and a camera. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what I started doing after like that, like the work I started making after seeing this for the first time was all about what images look like when you repeated, repeatedly photograph them over and over and over again, um, which is, which is truly just what he his pioneering mm-hmm. process. But, um, but yeah, I, the, the interest in the image more than the story and more than whatever greater narrative the image helps mm-hmm. is really huge. And the thing that I love about this piece is that in the textures that come out of this process, there's this feeling that the image is itself a material. Like it's just as physical as like water or a liquid or a gas or smoke. Like there is a real physicality to the way the image distorts and the way it bends and the way it, blows up and explodes and cascades with different colors. And that's still a really important concept for me visually. Like I really always am hungry for an image that moves like something physically in the world, like water. Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually a really interesting point. Cause like with traditional film, if you're talking about movies in, in the theater, a, a normal, you know, 90 minute narrative structure, editing it's about taking pieces of film and splicing them together it's not about creating layers of images necessarily and with this it's it is more like painting or other forms of, of visual art where he's layering images he's layering sound and it's like a collage instead of a film I mean, that's how I feel about music videos. Like, I, I, I feel like music videos are a really great medium, and I take them really, really seriously. Um, and it's because they, like, built into the structure of a music video that everyone takes for granted is, like, it's... I mean, there are some music videos, and people do great stuff at trying to make, like, sort of short films with their music videos or using the music video as an opportunity to, like, kind of create... A small narrative but the things that are that I love about music videos is their kind of like unstructured capabilities like it can just be the way the music makes you feel plus the way an image makes you feel and then maybe that's like a new feeling those two things together mm-hmm. um, and I I have a lot of hope and excitement for music video as a medium yeah yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. It's uh, <laughs> definitely like, you know, even if in 
boardrooms, these music videos are storyboarded to within an inch of their life right. and they have a really clear idea of what the narrative structure is. It's like, it still gives you that feeling of this, the looseness of experimental film, being able to just interpret things in the way that you, you know, it, the, the, your individual interpretation or not much of an interpretation at all, just like letting it wash over you and having an emotional response. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we live in a world where people really care the most about how they feel more than anything and um i don't i think that there are that can become really complicated in a lot of different ways um like in a larger conversation about our culture and our world but i don't shy away from that in my life and in my approach and in my ideas about art i think that that's a really powerful tool to focus on the feeling maybe more than the concept or like the thinking or the whatever, like the more academic intellectual side of things. And so like a lot of my favorite music videos are like super commercial, like, you know, like just total pop things, mm -hmm. like nothing, no art context, like they're meant for YouTube or MTV or whatever, and that's it. But there's so much to me, that's amazing about the unintentional impact of that is pretty crazy to me. Yeah. And like everyone I know has a relationship to music videos and like loves to watch them. And I don't know, I think that's really important and shouldn't be like dismissed or ignored. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is a lovely note to, uh, to finish on. Um, yeah. <laughs> So uh, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, so thanks again for your time. Um, yeah. And uh, take care. Yeah, you too. All right. Bye. Bye. Yay, that was great. Thanks again to Jack for talking to me. The Beach, his debut album under the amateur moniker, is out now to stream and download wherever you stream and or download. Okay quick inspirational work of the week from me and it's obviously the tina turner documentary on hbo max uh i love her so much so so intensely very extremely much and seeing all of those incredible performances and hearing all of her amazing music is such a fucking joy but seeing how much she has had to endure in the creation of her art is absolutely devastating. There's a quote in the movie that hit me particularly hard, and I'm going to read it for you if you'll indulge me. It wasn't a good life. The good did not balance the bad. I had an abusive life. There's no other way to tell the story. It's a reality. It's the truth. That's what you've got, so you have to accept it. Some people say the life that I lived and the performances that I gave, the appreciation, is blasting with the people. And yeah, I should be proud of that. I am. But, I mean, when do you... How do you bow out slowly? Ugh, I mean... Ugh, fuck. <laughs> we all owe her so much. She has shouldered... She has dealt with so much pain to give us all this incredible artwork, and it's just impossible to say that it was worth it when you hear her talk about it in those terms. I'm just so sad that she wasn't able to share in so much of this joy that she brought to the world. And I just want the best for her. And I just hope that she can live out the rest of her life in peace. She is truly a phenomenal human being. 
Uh, anyway, I guess that's a roundabout way of saying that you should watch the documentary because it's actually incredible. And uh, that's about all I've got. So please, this week, tell two friends to subscribe to this show. It has to be two because then they can do it together and they can hold hands while I press the subscribe button and it'll be really cute. Um, other than that, have a fantastic week. Be nice to yourself and to everybody else. And until next time, bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.